Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee Podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast episode in which I'm joined by Maggie. And Maggie is so intriguing to me, and I know she's going to be to you, listeners, as well, because she deals with the thing that most of us dread, (laughs) getting on the phone and speaking to people as part of our sales process, our marketing process, and building up our phone call skills. Maggie's been doing this for over 10 years and started her own business in 2016, helping people just like me, just like you listeners, to make the most of the phone calls. And at the end of the day, we can't do any of this by telepathy. We can hide behind chat and things like that. But at some point, we're going to have to speak to people directly. And that's where Maggie helps people out. So welcome to today's podcast, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Now, I was very cautious not to give your last name because I'm always careful of how I pronounce names. So give the listeners your full name just so we we know we can jot it down for later on. Yeah, so my last name is Polish and it's pronounced Pagesic, which no one can can pretty much do. So it's Maggie Pagesic. Yeah, it's it's an interesting last name. Pagesic, yeah. You said like it that. perfectly. That's an easy, oh, I love that one. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, it's actually said exactly as you spell it. That's true, but nobody ever does that. <laughs> we overthink it, don't we? That's the problem. Yes, yes. We overthink it. Just like the uh, phone. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, don't, yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. And, of course, you're at the moment in a cooling winter. You're going into winter yes. at the moment in uh, Wisconsin. So you said it's 29 degrees, so you're just below freezing there. So that's at 10, 10 o'clock in the morning. That's by British yeah. standards here. That's That's pretty cold. I don't love it. And it's funny that you think it's cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I always, I've got a friend who says, um, because I've always wanted a a holiday home uh, and to to migrate to Canada. I love Canada. I've had businesses in Canada for many years. And I learned very, very quickly after doing business in Canada, it's somewhere you do not want to live all the time uh, because of the cold. It's very hard to do business in that kind of climate. And it's a beautiful country, both in winter and in summer. Somebody once said to me, he said, I like to live in the summer, but holiday in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a good idea for us all to follow. You know, yeah, yep. live where it's nice and warm and in the summer, but then go out and experience winter uh, as a holiday. And I love that. Yep. It gets colder there than it does here, for sure. I mean, we're pretty cold, you know, being at the top of the, you know, the country, but it's, it's, way colder there and they just (laughs) deal with it they just don't care it's crazy yeah but kudos to them (laughs) yeah but it stops i mean i don't know when it stops snowing where where you are but you know i remember in camel where we used to go to a lot you know it stopped snowing in may and then it started again in september it was just just a short space but uh but anyway you're in you're in a beautiful part of the country as well And to keep us warm, we like to have a coffee uh, or uh, a hot drink. So tell us a little bit about what you're drinking today, Maggie, and why. So I'm kind of a breakfast blend girl, and that's pretty much what I have here. I I don't like it to be so strong that it's going to, you know, 
melt my face off or I'm like shaky. So I'm like a medium roast kind of girl. And today I actually have some pumpkin spice creamer, which, you know, I mean, it's fall. So why not? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very strange over here because we've gone through Halloween now and pumpkin spice syrup is generally here in the UK is for Halloween. Mm-hmm. They don't get the whole autumn fall thing. So that's yeah. it. So it's finished now. So now we're on to the gingerbread, which is my favorite anyway. So I love gingerbread syrup. Yeah, so, gingerbread's uh, great. Yeah. Is there anything else you put in with the with the pumpkin syrup at all? Any cinnamon no. or anything else that you add? That's a, actually sometimes I do put cinnamon in there. And mm. I just bought a milk frother and I'm probably slightly overly excited about that <laughs> because I like the cold foam on top. I am one of those weirdos that drinks cold coffee actually year round. Um, and oh, so right. even in the winter, I know I'm strange, but so I like the cold foam on top. So that's what I've been doing recently. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't quite get the cold coffee. It's not something I've really grasped at all. I've tried it a few times and I'm sure one day when I go to a really hot climate, I'm going to be absolutely gasping for a cold coffee. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, I'm a piping hot coffee. And even if it was, I've been to Malaysia and had piping hot coffee when it's been, you know, 100 okay. degrees outside because. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, my grandpa used to drink it. He, he used to say, if it's not burning his lips, it's not hot enough. <laughs> Yep. And that was that was how he loved it. And I was devastated yesterday. I went to a Starbucks yesterday to meet a client and I asked for a, a black coffee, uh, just a filter coffee, a little yeah. Starbucks filter. And I saw them just about to put some cold water. And he's like, whoa, what are you doing? Oh, well, I'm just cooling it down for you. No, please don't. Just straight as it is. That'll be fine. And it was like, oh, OK. <laughs> so, yeah, blistering hot yeah. is the way. Definitely. So. You mentioned breakfast uh, blending. I've got a blonde uh, roast at the moment, which I agree with you, something that can get me through the whole day and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be great. What's your favourite coffee? Is there any particular variety, any particular beans, any particular uh, sort of local coffee shop that you like going to? Tell us a little bit about the favourite. Yeah, you know, actually, um, I really like cold brews. I'm again weird Mm. with the cold coffee and and we actually have there's a lot of local roasters here surprisingly um in wisconsin and there's a a little town near where i live called lake geneva it's pretty famous in wisconsin and they have a a bean you know roaster and their coffee is really good like as far as local is concerned otherwise i usually drink fair trade which is an organic um you know, obviously it's a fair trade coffee bean. So I, yeah. I, I prefer the organic coffee if I can get it. And I, again, usually choose like a medium, a medium roast. But it's not that easy to get, is it? You know, um, no. you get things that are badged up fair trade, um, but getting true chemical free organic coffee is yes. really, really difficult. Sometimes even the process, the beans are grown organically. Yes. But the roasting process is a chemical based roasting process. So even that, that's and that's what I try to avoid. I uh, try to stay as far away from as many chemicals and process things as I possibly can. And especially coffee, because I do drink, drink it. And some beans are heavily processed more than yeah. others. And so I've done a lot of research on that. And I, I do like the fair trade brand and I have had fairly good luck, you know, getting it. I oh, do good. grind it myself. So I buy the whole bean and then grind it. Uh, Fabulous. Fabulous. And I have a Chemex. Have you ever used a Chemex coffee system? No, no. Yeah, they're amazing. (laughs) 
Now, I'm very lazy when it comes to my coffee. It, when I go out, I like it all special and all singing or dancing. I want to hear the sounds. I want to smell the aroma. But at home, it comes in a pod. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. Go downstairs, put it in a pod, kettle yeah. quick, and back upstairs. That's the thing. Yep. So you, you've, you've had your, your own business, um, which is it CNM Coaching? Yes, correct. Yep, CNM yep. Coaching. So CNM Coaching since 2016. Tell the listeners uh, and tell us what's been the latest or most significant thing that you've been working on in your own business. So a lot of uh, what we've been actually really focusing on most recently has been customer service and in phone calls. Um interestingly enough, I have experienced my own like faux pas just in my day-to-day life with customer service. We were looking at adding on a space to our driveway and I called four different asphalt companies and none of them called me back. And so, you know, most recently, I, I recently started a podcast myself, but one of the things I've been talking about kind of broadly is that customer experience and how that start to finish really determines the review that that customer is going to leave for you. And based on my experience, trying to call different companies and really feeling like no one wants my business, like, are they, are they that busy that they don't feel the need to make me feel valued and spend some time with me and figure sure. out what I need, even if they can't help me now, you know, maybe at some point in the future. So I think taking that overall sort of um, backed up approach is kind of how I like to think about it, you know, really removing yourself from the situation and trying to see the whole experience on the phone as a whole can really help you figure out where you want to go and, and what you want to do. And and making these calls myself, I've been thinking, wow, like customer service as a whole in all types of industries really needs help right now. Yeah. And it, it's really strange, isn't it? You know, we, we are there. We want to buy something. Yeah. We have a need. Why is it so difficult mm-hmm. to do that? And yeah, you know, my background is construction and the construction industry is particularly bad at this. You know, yes. uh, I've got a client who I'll be talking to on Thursday evening and they've gone to six or seven uh, contractors to do some extension work on the house. And it's a substantial project. And only one of them has actually replied back and returned the phone calls. And it's just so, so bad. And you you mentioned before we, we started the recording yeah. about the service that you do as mystery shopper, yeah. where when people fill out a lead form or they fill out an inquiry, how many people actually call back? Tell us a little bit more about that and that experience and why it's so important that we do this as well. Yeah, it's usually not great. Uh, a lot of times we will go to a business website and it doesn't matter as long as they have a contact us form, someone should be monitoring that contact us form and contacting us. <laughs> so we will go on, we'll buy a local phone number. So it's local to where the business is. We use a alias email address that works so that we can check our emails. And then we actually record our screens as we're submitting the lead, which is what we call it. So you can see what time it is when lead goes in. And then we literally start the clock. How long does it take them to call? Do they send a text message? Do they send an email? And then what is the quality of these communications? Are the text messages full of abbreviations and smiley faces? Or are they professional and really getting to the point and trying to earn my business? And unfortunately, most of the time, we don't receive phone calls at all from the businesses that we mystery shop. And so we will sometimes leave the phone number open for, say, five days. And even in that five-day period, not only does no one call, but then no one even bothers to follow up. 
So there's a serious lack of engagement with our internet leads and we have to be careful and pay more attention to that for sure. Yeah. Yet these same people are putting so much effort into creating a great brand, a website, you know, they spend the time getting the contact form, the opt-ins, and then just don't follow up. And the money for advertising too. Oh, I mean, sure. what they spend in advertising and then not getting an ROI because you don't have someone responding to those leads. I worked with a client one time who told me, I don't know how to get those. I, I don't know where to find that information. I said, so you have people going to your website, submitting requests for more information, <laughs> and you don't know how to retrieve that information. And, and this wow. was a particular person. He owned a dealership and he had multiple stores, <laughs> like seven wow. locations. And I thought, oh no, like this is so bad. And then of course that reputation goes back out into the community and people are going to talk about that, you know, don't call so-and-so. That's exactly what I did with the asphalt companies. I, four of them were local, like within 10 minutes of my home. So then other people talk about that and it's like, well, don't call them. They don't want to call you back. Yeah. Where do you think the fault lies? You know, is it with the people? Is it with the processors? Is it with the lack of connectivity? You know, if you if you were to pinpoint one thing that you found as a common issue, what would that be, Maggie? I really think that it kind of comes from the top down, just like everything else. Mm. If you're not training your people, first off, how to access that information or you yourself don't know, you can't expect them to do it. So I think making sure that you yourself are managing and then delegating those leads to your staff and making sure that they're actually calling them and then use some sort of software. There's tons of free software available to manage your clientele. Make sure that that response time is being hit. I mean, ideally you should try to reach out to them within 15 minutes of receiving the inquiry, the longer you wait, the harder it is to get them wow. on the phone at yeah. all. So I think the managers need to be delegating the work appropriately. And then from there, train your staff how to make those phone calls properly and what to do, how to leave voicemails, how to send text messages, what to include. Um, and also too, using email. Everybody seems to think, oh, nobody emails anymore. That's not true. No. Uh, a lot of people communicate via email. We did. So, you know, it's, it's, it's using every method of communication you have, but then also training to make sure that your people know how to get from A to B and then what your goal is while you're on the phone with that customer. And you've said something really, really important there. And I've written it down on my little pad here. So you've mentioned minutes to mm -hmm. respond in 15 minutes. Yes. 99.9% .9 of the people listening to this and the people I speak to think response should be in days. Yeah, I hear so many times people say, oh, yeah, I'll respond to women in three to seven days or two to three days. Days always seems to be the measure of time to respond. Mm -hmm. And to bring that down, not just to hours, but to bring it to minutes. Yeah, I think that's something, listeners, is something that we all should aspire to. Well, um, I mean, think about your attention span. How, I mean, how long really is our attention spans? So if that 15, 20, 30 minutes goes by and you haven't called, they might move on to another product or another company. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. So that's why that first 15 minutes is critical. Plus also, if you're selling something, when is that person most excited? Right away. Yeah. In three days, not so much, you know? Yeah. Well, I started to question it. You know, do we really need it? Is the yes. expense worth it? You know, have we got space for it? Yeah, the emotion starts to diminish, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah Absolutely. Definitely.
we're impulsive people, right? So the faster you make that response, the better connection you're going to get too. Yeah. So in, in your own business then, um, and you know, you've been working on, on, you know, developing your, your own sort of customer service process and calls, mm -hmm. what kind of difference has it made for you to get it right? And your own experience of calling these asphalt mm -hmm. companies, how has that helped you improve and what difference has it made? So I think for me, like the biggest key is making sure that me and my team respond to anybody reaching out to us in an appropriate, timely manner. Now, sure, sometimes I get emails at nine or 10 at night. Am I going to respond to those immediately? Probably mm. not. But I am going to get to them the first thing the very next day. So I think it's all about the level of customer service that you want to provide in your own business and then leading by example and making sure that your team understands these are our expectations for a response to clients or potential clients or customers. And everyone needs to hold themselves accountable to respond in that timely manner. So for us, we're trying to get to them as quickly as we can. Yeah. And it's interesting that, you know, your business is phone call skills mm -hmm. and helping people get on the phone. What a great refreshing change for you to be walking the walk as well, because I don't know about the listeners, but, you know, very often I see so many people who are in a business, but they do that part of their business pretty dreadfully. You yeah. know, web designers that have dreadful websites. And I'm sorry if any web designers listen to this. We're not tarring you all with the same brush. But, you know, the first thing we should do, if we're going to sell a service, we should be excellent and we should mm -hmm. be excelling at that service, shouldn't we? So I'm really glad to hear that you're doing that, you know, in your yep. business as well. Yeah, I completely agree. So I've got to ask a question because on the phone, people react in many different ways. I'd love to know what is one of the weirdest, strangest conversations that you've had in your 10 years of speaking to people on the phone. There are some actually some really, really good ones. Um, one, one of the weirdest ones I actually had was a gentleman in Las Vegas, coincidentally, whose mom was, you know, elderly. She was like, let's just say in her 80s. And she brought her vehicle in for service. And we were training a dealership service department. Yeah. And they didn't offer a courtesy shuttle. So like, you know, she had to sit there and wait for the service to be done. And her son called up and started telling the service advisor he was going to fly in from Canada and he was going to beat him up and he was going to meet really? him in the back alley. And <laughs> <laughs> all because his mom had to wait like a half hour to have her oil changed. Wow. <laughs> and they really were going at it. I mean, it it escalated quickly. And then he ended up hanging up on him and then calling back. And it was we we definitely shared that call amongst our team. And it was a big eye opener of how to not treat another human being. <laughs> but it was crazy. I'm going to fly there and I'm going to get you. And it was just it was ridiculous. <laughs> do, you, do you think because you know, as you were talking that it's very easy, isn't it, for people to be very big and very strong when they're mm -hmm. hiding behind a phone. Um, and I'm not saying everybody's like that because some people actually would take you out into the alley in the back. Um, but in the same way, it's very terrifying for many of the people listening to this and you know, very often for me as well, that the phone seems to be this taboo thing that we don't like to get hold of. We seem to become paralyzed as soon as we pick it up and somebody answers it. Yet mm -hmm. for other people like this guy, they find it so easy to hurl abuse on the phone. Mm -hmm. Yet there are so many things we find so difficult. Why do you think there's a, 
a shift for the different behaviours that we have on the phone? Why do we see it so terrifying in one sense, yet something that's so easy to hide behind on the other? Yeah, I think too, like even when you're selling something or even if you say you meet somebody that might be interested in your product and then a couple of days later, you're like, oh, I should probably call that person and follow up with them. Even that aspect of picking up the phone and making that call can be terrifying. So they might choose email, but what happens if that person doesn't want to communicate that way and then you missed your opportunity to sell the product? So Mm. I think sometimes people are more afraid of the conversations that they might be having while they're on the phone, which is why they choose to do it via email. You have a lot more time to process your thoughts, even via text, same thing. But when you're doing things that way, and I love all methods of communication, But when you're doing it that way, as opposed to the phone, you don't have voice inflection. You don't have the ability to build rapport with your words. Things can be very easily misconstrued via email or via text. And someone can read things the wrong way, especially if there's lack of punctuation, right? So using your voice and being able to smile and really have that inflection on the phone and sell yourself, no matter what it is that you're selling, if you're trying to do that during a a call, you have a much better chance of selling the product that way or this way, like via Zoom, than you do via email because you can't get your point across as easily. And also it gives the other person the opportunity to ask you questions. And Mm. it's, who wants to wait for an email back or a text back? Just pick up the phone and call. Yeah. And it's interesting because the one thing that a lot of people will say is it's the fear of rejection. You know, mm-hmm. it's a fear of being told no. Uh, and I, yeah, and I, and I partly agree with that. But I think, again, you've said something very important there, Maggie, that a lot of people don't get on the phone because they don't want the questions. Mm-hmm. They don't want somebody to ask them something that they're going to have to answer or right. uh, worry about answering. So uh, very often I find, you know, with the people I work with, it's, mm-hmm. it's the questions, what if they ask this? What if they say that? What if they need to know this? Yeah, it's their lack of confidence in their own knowledge and ability to handle those questions, isn't it? That really does get in the way as well. Yeah, we call them objections. Um, so what I usually encourage people to do is write a list of any objections that you might be afraid that you'll be faced with and then write yourself some rebuttals and then practice them and learn mm. them. It's a really popular sales you know, tactic. I didn't invent it. I do write custom objection handling techniques for anybody that we work with, but it's one of the easiest ways for you to help just push yourself forward. Hey, they might say this. So here's my rebuttal. Keep it on a card, you know, and, and have it in front of you so that before you make your phone call, you know what you're going to say, if that's what comes up. Yeah. Be prepared. Yeah. And if they ask you something that you don't know, there's nothing wrong with saying, I apologize. I don't have that information in front of me right now, but I'd be happy to get it for you. Easy. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that podcast there is worth it just to take that snippet of audio you've given out there and we'll replay that. Um, So if people want to reach out to you and connect to you and find out more about the, the skills that you, you know, you help people develop in this you know, very, very wide and complex topic, which most people avoid like the plague, how do people find you? What's, what's on offer? How can people connect with you? And is there anything that you'd like the listeners to do in particular to reach out to you? Well, we have a website. It's uh, C&M Coaching. The word and is spelled out. So C-A-N-D-M coaching.com. And we do free mystery shops. So you can 
absolutely go there and request the sample. We don't charge for them. It's really mm -hmm. the easiest way for us to be able to see if we can help a company. So we prefer to start with a mystery shop so we can see what we can do. We also have a Facebook page, same thing, CNM coaching. And then um, I, my podcast is Elevate with CNM coaching as well. Fantastic. Great. And if, if somebody, um, is thinking what kind of sectors do you work with? Are there any that you specialize in? Are there any that you don't work with? Uh, you know, cause when you say mystery shop, you know, that's okay for people. People might think, oh, I haven't got a product to sell. You know, I'm not a retail outlet. What kind of businesses do you work with and what kind of organizations do you help? So we focus on automotive. We also do um, collections, insurance, medical, pretty much anything where you're on the phone and that conversation can be recorded and then we can provide feedback on. We okay. also do basic quality assurance training. Like we've done lending companies. I've done rental companies, property companies. Again, if you have somebody on the phone at your business, you should definitely be listening to what they're saying on the phone and then determine if they need help with training, even if it's simple stuff like answering the phone properly, or how about taking a message? Like if oh. someone doesn't take a message properly or repeat the information back, you've got the wrong phone number. It could have been your biggest deal of the, of the month and the phone number is wrong. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, one of my businesses in the past was a, a renovations company. We used to do a lot of insurance repairs mm. and the number of times, and we, you know, I had a team who used to field the calls from the policyholder and the homeowner right. and you turn up with the wrong color bath or the wrong size sink or, you know, because they just haven't taken the details down correctly. Yep. And the biggest problem we've had, and I don't know if you uh, can share any light on this, but we get a call from the husband saying one thing and then we yeah. get a call from the wife saying something different. Yes. And, how, how, when you're taking phone calls and you're getting those conflicting aspects, how do you discern how to deal with that? Because you don't want to contradict them and say, well, actually, you know, so-and-so said white, you're saying avocado green, mm, you know, it's a little bit different. How, how do you cope with that discernment there? That's a great question. So in a situation like that, I would probably try to get both parties on the phone. One of the things that I like to train people to do, though, is to use choices. Choices help you stay in control of the conversation, but also accomplish your goals. So if it were a situation like that, you know, you could say, are you looking for a lighter shade or a darker shade in your bath on your bathtub? Oh, you know, yeah. and then from there, taking it, you know, further, are you looking for a tile or acrylic or whatever they're made out of? Yeah, you yeah. know, just trying to make sure that you're controlling it because you also don't want your customer to look for the unicorn, right? The unicorn is the product yeah. we don't have, can't have, or it's going to take forever to get, or it's going to cost more than they want to spend. So those choices allow you to develop a process so that you can stay in control while also making your customer feel like they're making decisions and moving the conversation forward. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great tip. So just remind us of the website again, C and coaching.com. Uh, Facebook group and the name of your podcast so listeners can listen to your podcast as well. Yeah, the name of our podcast is Elevate with CNM Coaching. Fantastic. Great. On so all listeners, yeah, go out and reach out there. And yeah, the offer of having a mystery shop as well. If you're one of those uh, companies that can make use of that, then that what a what a mm -hmm. benefit that would be. They're fun. So I, I always like to give the listeners something to take away, something that 
they can do something with. And this is, you know, it's your responsibility to be accountable to do something with what Maggie's about to share. So if you could give the listeners one lesson, one tip that they could take away from today's podcast, what would that be? So I think my biggest tip as far as phone and phone skills are concerned is that you should be recording your phone calls, regardless of what type of business you have. Also check your local regulations because they're different everywhere, but actually being able to hear what your team is doing and saying on the phone, or even to be able to go back and play your own phone call with a potential customer is going to be the easiest way for you to identify issues that you might have during sales calls. And then from there, you can play them collectively as a group and everyone can provide feedback on what they think everyone should do to try to improve moving forward. Then you guys can role play together, practice different objections and really take all that information and make something good come out of it. And I think recording your phone calls, especially if you're concerned about customer service at at whatever business you have is going to be the number one thing that you want to do. So you can figure out how you can move forward and accomplish your goals faster. Fabulous. So I've got a question to ask, because I know some of the listeners will be thinking, that's okay. And you mentioned regulations. You know, I don't have the technology, you know, I might be out and about on my cell phone or my mobile device I can't record both sides of the conversation, but very often we can record our side of the conversation. Yes. Is that something that's still valuable? Should the listeners still do that, even if they can do nothing else? Yes, I would, because you can hear voice inflection and you can also gauge your own vocal tone and change in vocal tone. Also, Mm. it's going to be able to help you go back and decide, did I provide enough information? And then course correct any mistakes that you may have made. While it's ideal to be able to hear both parties, and it is fairly easy to set up, even if you're doing call forwarding, it can forward to your cell phone and still record the call. Also, Google does recording, like you can record through Google Voice. It does notify both parties though. But you know, just being able to go back and go, all right, what did I say? Uh, And if if it's a business where you have inbound phone calls, you can usually add a disclaimer to let the person know that their call, you know, that their call is being recorded, which is great as well. The outgoing calls are a little trickier because you do have to verbally tell them and it's awkward. So I don't recommend that, but just being able to figure out what did I do wrong or where can I, maybe what I did great, right? Maybe it's a perfect phone call and you want to share it with everyone else. Yeah. And I love the, the role play that you've mentioned as well, because, you know, if you've got a, a great conversation, then why not role play that and share that with the rest of the team? Yep. Definitely. Great. Well, you've given us so much takeaway. I think for me, you know, listeners, if you're going to do something from today, as well as recording the, the calls, think about how your purchasers, how your prospects respond to that lack of response. Mm-hmm. And don't think days, don't think hours. I think Maggie's given us a great target here. Think minutes. How quickly do you respond to that inquiry? And you know how, how can you better improve that timing? I think that would be absolutely amazing if you did that. And how much better a world would it be if people that we actually reached out to showed that they're interested in us as customers? Yeah, mm-hmm. That would be so great, wouldn't it? So you've given us something great to take away. So I'm going to come to the, The final question then, Maggie, if you were to have your next coffee in a dream location, that cold brew, that cold coffee, yeah, (laughs) with a cold froth on top, where would that dream location be? It would probably be somewhere in Ireland, 
you know, maybe looking at a castle that that would be amazing. Oh, okay. I would love to go there. I'm Irish, you know, heritage and family over there. So I would that would be a dream would be to go to, to Ireland. Probably not realistic, but I'm going to dream it up anyways. Yeah, well, why, why not? You know, it's uh, there's some great direct flights to, to Ireland. Yes. I mean, certainly here in the UK, sometimes we have to fly to Ireland to then go on to the really? to the US. Yeah, yeah. So Lucky. that's quite common. But yeah, I'm, I'm a big Dublin fan. So I don't know whereabouts your family's based, but there are some amazing places in, in Ireland. Yes, I've heard. Yeah. Final part of that. What's your favorite time of day to have that coffee? So would you be drinking that coffee in Ireland in the morning, watching the mm. sunrise, lunchtime, perhaps with a meal or end of the day? What, what would be your preferred time of day? Morning person. Usually okay. I try to stop around noon unless it's like Christmas time and I'm out shopping. Then I need the coffee to deal with other people. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, most of the time I'm a morning person and I usually just have about two cups and then I, I try to, to push it away and switch to water. Got to get hydrated so I can Great. have more coffee. <laughs> well, you've given us some amazing things to I really do appreciate you giving your time. And I know the listeners are going to take some some value. You're giving us some real insights to how we can be better at responding and better making our calls. And certainly that's a great tip. You know, record them. Record, record, record. Yeah. Yep. Thank Um, you so much for having me. Yeah. And it's been a pleasure. And listeners, as always, you've had some great awareness. You've had some amazing education from Maggie here. The thing now is to go out there and do something with it. Don't just listen to this podcast. Do something with it. Let us know. Let Maggie know. Leave us a review of what difference, what impact this has made for you in overcoming perhaps some of your thoughts of just getting on the phone, even making those outgoing calls or receiving those inbound calls. And realize, you know, I can't impress upon you all enough. It's so important not to let people down that want to buy from you by that lack of response. It doesn't just do a disservice to that person, but Mm -hmm. word will quickly spread. Yeah, and that's not what you want. That's great advice. Yeah. So, so do something what we've had from today's podcast and I look forward to having you on the next one. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you. Thank you.